0: Dr. Lori Marbus podcast. Today, I have a very inspiring, exciting story from Shannon Farrell. She's a registered nurse who works in the cardiac unit um, in Michigan. She says she's just north of Detroit. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. And um, welcome to the podcast today, Shannon.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for taking your time out of your day. And I know you are super busy. You are telling me about all the things you do. I was like, wow. Okay. I'm... I'm uh, impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So, just to get a little background, um, I like to ask people's kind of the backstory, especially people who are medically focused, how they became interested in medicine, and how did you become interested in becoming a nurse?
1: I uh, actually, the interesting story is my mom is a nurse. She's been a nurse for 36 years at the same hospital that I am located, and she convinced me. Uh, so, she's always been a cardiac nurse. Uh, So that's why I always was interested in cardiology, and uh, she convinced me to go to nursing school, and I had a hard time getting in initially, so I became a respiratory therapist, Uh, and I did that uh, for two years and graduated nursing. So I did uh, respiratory and nursing school back-to-back. Uh, so I've always loved being a nurse. I started actually at uh, Beaumont 29 years ago um, And I've been a nurse for 20 years. So I've done a lot of very cool forms of nursing uh, ER, OR, pre-op, post-op uh, I opened up the cardiac rehab unit five years ago uh, And I've grown it from the ground up and I just love being a nurse. I'm a healer at heart and uh, yeah so You know. But-
0: I have found that nurses, I'll tell you what, as a medical student and then as an intern, my first, one of my first rotations is through the ICU. And Mm -hmm. that's terrifying for an intern. You're just right out of medical school. And it was a nurse, let me tell you, that took me by the hand and said, Dr. Marvis, why don't we do this? I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea.
1: <laughs> yes. And yeah. That.
0: I'll tell you, I've learned to love nurses ever since. Some of the most wonderful teachers. So thank you for thank you and you. everyone in your profession. Um, I know they're, behind every doctor is a fabulous, much more amazing nurse. Let me tell you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> And I truly need that. Okay. So now you were, it sounds like you were very active and then you had some health issues a few years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, um, always grew up kind of knowing something was wrong, um, but not being able to put, uh, my hand on it. Um, and I had, uh, in- In my 30s, mid-30s, I was very healthy and happy. I was very dedicated to my house. Um, I played competitive soccer um, and was very good. And so my kids grew up on the soccer field. Um, And one of the days um, right before... It was right before Thanksgiving, and I was planning a big Thanksgiving. Uh, A very good friend of mine actually slide tackled me in the penalty box. And um, I flew up and over and landed on my left side. And what ended up happening is I tore L4 to 5. Um, In my spinal column and uh, so I had some issues with numbness numbness and tingling down my leg And all of the doctors at my hospital know that I'm a very tough person I've had numerous sport injuries and so I set out on a quest to get three opinions Um, So two of the doctors told me that I could heal it on uh, I needed surgery and the one guy said for sure Shannon you're a knucklehead I know you I know you could get around this Um, So I went with him, and um, so I set on a quest to hail my back on my own. As my back started to get better, uh, my overall health declined, um, and very gradually, I started having um, very unusual neurologic symptoms, uh, issues with tachycardia. Uh, I was being passed around in physical therapists from one therapist to the other. Like, check out their findings, it's very strange. Um, I kept declining to the point where I started having syncopal episodes, um, so passing out, and I wasn't sure what was wrong. And about this time, I'd, take six, I'd taken six months off of work to heal my back because I knew I needed to work, um, and I wanted to be a part, a big part, of, of course, my kids' lives. And um, so we need—I needed to go back to work, and um, but I noticed that something wasn't right at all. Um, and I went for a job interview at an IV clinic and, um, woke up in the ER and I had had a syncopal interview and me being who I am, I says, oh, did I get the job? And she's like, yeah, but what's up? And Uh, I ended up having to have emergency gallbladder surgery the very next day, ironically. And um, I woke up from that a very different person and um, just could not get my heart rates under control. Uh, I had no very minimal blood pressure. My heart rates would be 180s. Uh, They couldn't quite figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, So I was in and out of the hospital and... um, Ended up on just being bounced from one doctor to the other Uh, I couldn't eat, I couldn't digest foods If I did eat, my blood pressure dropped, which is called postprandial hypotension Um, I would try to eat, things wouldn't go anywhere Um, So I started losing weight, but I went from doctor to doctor And I ended up with 12 specialists uh, and I was diagnosed, misdiagnosed with a lot of conditions, um, went through a lot of very painful procedures, uh, ended up, you know, long story short, I ended up figuring out what was wrong with me myself, that I had postural aesthetic tachycardia syndrome was one of my problems, or PATS. Um, and I found the number one doctor, uh, in the United States is Dr. Blair Grubb, who's at the University of Toledo. And I pleaded with him to take my case. But before he did, I had been to a lot of doctors. Um, so by the time I got to him, I was on three steroids, uh, multiple heart medications, multiple experimental medications, um, off, uh, FDA label. Um, and by that time i had started to develop Uh, diabetes, uh, high triglycerides. I topped out at 459. Uh, My LDL was 140. My A1C uh, had risen to 6.4. That was very concerning to me because my dad um, died at the age of 60 uh, five months after having triple bypass. He had a stroke at 30 and was diagnosed with a a rare late-onset type 1 diabetes um, at 30. So I had to see what he went through for the next 30 years involving uh, kidney damage and eyesight issues and neuropathy. Um, So I knew I needed to try to get myself to the right person. And um, it was very hard because I gained tremendous weight Um, even though not being able to eat uh, I started putting on a lot of weight that was very hard because I was very athletic Um, I had progressed to the point where a lot of times I crawled instead of walking or I had to use a chair um, because I just couldn't stand uh, to stand and so my leg muscles became atrophied uh, and it just wasn't fun um, so I ended up, after that, I progressed, I had, was diagnosed with lupus, um, and I had, they originally diagnosed me with it 16 years ago, after the birth of my son, and I went into remission, uh, cause I took my health back into my hands in my thirties, and that was after he was born, and I had redeveloped it, I had labs where it, it had started to affect my kidneys, um, so it was very devastating, to me, um, to go through all of that, uh, and especially being a medical professional, and some of the doctors that I saw, I know I scared them a lot because I was so young, and I had a couple of doctors dismiss me as a patient, and they basically came out and told me that we don't know what's wrong with you, we know something's wrong with you, uh, you scare us, we're afraid of the for the liability reasons, um, and I am. Was just like I am now. I'm very whimsical, lighthearted, very easygoing, um, and I know that a lot of them knew me from a long time, and they're very scared. Um, but I knew I needed to get help and get help fast. And um, so, yeah, I had was tested for ALS, multiple sclerosis. Um, scleroderma uh had painful procedures uh in one of my procedures i flatlined um i had to be i've been cardioverted and defibrillated while awake Um it's not a fun thing to go through um, and a lot of muscle biopsies and so yep
0: oh my goodness i don't even know where to start with that i, I... yeah That is at least, I don't know, 20 different patient stories you just told right there. I mean, yeah, I mean, one of those diagnoses alone is enough to wipe somebody out emotionally, financially. So what's going on in, you know, upstairs in your poor mind? I mean, my goodness, how difficult a transition from one day you're healthy to this rapid decline. What's going on then?
1: Well, I had um I was a pretty happy go lucky person, uh, also like I am now, and I developed severe depression and anxiety and having gone through the issue with flatlining and you wake up and someone tells you, Oh my god, you're like dead and the girl that told me that was a girl I'd gone to high school with and she just was shaking terribly and um so I developed Deep depression, um, and I was worried that something was going to happen again. Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Um, but the depression and anxiety really played a lot of mind games on me. Um, so I started to isolate myself, which is was very tough on me so I lost friends a lot of people a lot of my friends said to me well why don't you just go get a new heart and I'm like well let me just go to the grocery store and pick one up you know it's like that doesn't happen like that and having that like a structural heart issue um it was tough to explain to people and then because so many people are uneducated about diseases that was hard but uh, it was very isolating
0: can you describe a little bit better what POTS is for people who don't understand it, maybe the medical terminology for them?
1: Yes. So POTS is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, so basically when we're sitting, uh, my heart rate being a little bit of a runner now is like 48 to 50. But in POTS patients, their heart rates jump at least 30 beats. So, um in mine, most of the time, jumped uh, would jump. Sometimes even triple. So as the heart rates start to soar, the blood pressure starts to drop as a compensatory mechanism. So trying to even out. Uh, so the heart rates go high and blood pressure drops. So it kind of with all the your heart rates going so high, you dehydrate out. Uh, very quickly but it's also autonomic dysfunction so all of your autonomic systems become um, compromised from it so uh, yeah it's a very tough uh, disorder uh, to get around so a lot of people don't know that some astronauts develop POTS as they transition back in um, to here so they have actually a POTS retraining program in Texas where the astronauts go so.
0: okay and so how many autoimmune diseases you were you had mentioned a few things going on there at least the lupus what else was going on yeah they thought you had possibly Parkinson's and atrophy issues and I mean so many other things
1: yeah, yeah. so Go ahead. yeah I had and um, all of that I had quite a few autoimmune issues so they diagnosed with lupus and Sjogren's syndrome um, so I had to go through, that's a math biopsy that they do. Um, I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Uh, I had some uh, thyroid tissue before that. Uh, so I was on a minimal dose of Synthroid. Uh, my thyroid completed eating itself and all of that. So I do not have any thyroid tissue left. So I'll be in ha- thyroid replacement. Uh, I developed diabetes, so type 2 um rosacea um so the pictures of me from before it's they're pretty tough to see because my face is completely reddened. and with people that have rosacea they develop severe cystic acne um so that's actually i don't have that anymore thank god because uh, there i was in my late 30s with cystic acne i was like ah um Yeah, and then I had some problems with mast cell disease as well. Um,
0: Can you describe what the mast cell disease is?
1: So, yeah, mast cell simply is uh, allergies to the 100th degree. Um, So people can have various forms of the spectrum. Uh, So I had mast cell activation disorder. Um, And in all of that, I developed allergies. I was diagnosed with a lectin and a pectin allergy. Um, which are basically all your fruits um, I, being a nurse for so long, I, uh latex allergies So that's pretty normal uh, for most medical professionals that have been there a long time um, But mast cell disease, it's very tough to control So in all of that medical odyssey um, I ended up taking 26 medications and uh, 8 were for allergies uh just because I kept having horrible reactions Um uh, so yeah wow. so 26
0: medications mm-hmm. you were in your late 30s
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: so then tell us how you went from that person you're describing to this beautiful woman I'm looking at right now
1: Hey. Yes, yeah, so I um, started to make a connection. Uh, I had gotten my health back as far as being able to stand, um, and the job in the cardiac rehab unit came open, and I decided I'm going to go for it uh, and try it. So I would actually go to work at 85 pounds heavier than I am today, uh, wearing a system of abdominal binders to try to force my venous blood um, around out of my stomach because I would pull terrible in my belly. Um, So I started making connections with some of the things that I was eating Um, So initially I dropped artificial sweeteners um, All the artificial colorants and the more things I dropped the more healthier I became Um, So I whittled down from sugar I had given up dairy and all of of those And um, so two and a half years ago I was in the cardiac rehab unit and I had two patients that had just such a tough time getting around angina or angina. Some people call it. Um, and they both were very high functioning athletes um, that had heart attacks at uh, athletic events. And just really grieved who they were now. So uh, we happened to look up at the TV, and Dr. Joel Kahn was on TV with Paul Chatlin, uh, the founder of PBN a Share, Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group. And they were talking about their, I believe it was their second meeting, um, and they talked all about plant-based nutrition, and Paul told a story. And so I looked up at my patients. I said, you guys should go to the meeting because uh, it was that night. And they said "Um, we have to come with us and I said well I can't I'm flying out to Florida in the morning at 7 o'clock and I hadn't packed and I hadn't packed my kids so I said I'll talk to you guys when I get back um, but I want you to go and so they both went and so when I came back into work 10 days later they both had color they both looked good they both were happier And I was like, and they both had switched on uh, a minute. You know, they were, you know, carnivores and then plant-based in one day. So they were like, well, you have to do it, Shannon. And so I had Paul come out to my unit uh, for a little mini support group meeting. And he spoke to me the loudest. And he said, you have to go all the way, Shannon, because I was, I'd say, 90% plant-based at that point. Um, but here or there, was having a few things. I says, okay, uh, so I converted over to plant based a week later. And before that, I actually was mostly plant based, was eating a protein bar, uh, rare but here or there, and not like really realizing it had way in it. Um, so I went uh raw for the first three months. That's tough to maintain being in a busy household. Um, but like my skin got clear my thoughts got clear um, I became this nice happy person and uh, so very quickly I came off meds and so about the three and a half months in uh, I met with my allergist who's amazing and she said I think you're ready to start trying uh, to eat fruit I craved fruit terribly during all of that And I said, all right, I'm going to try it. So I would go to the farmer's market, which is very close to my work. I'd walk three doors down to the allergist's office. I'd eat a piece of fruit, and she'd have me stay for a couple hours. And lo and behold, I started eating fruit uh, and started doing well. And all of my mast cell markers started dropping prior to us trying. So I could eat my body weight in fruit now, um, which is amazing. Um, and so yeah, it's, I just feel amazing. Can you describe what fruit did to you prior
0: to the, all of this change? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I actually was having um, some anaphylactic reactions, so I would require carrying an EpiPen with me, um, and my coworkers were trained to give me EpiPen injections. Uh, so some f- fruits caused me anaphylaxis. some caused me uh, body hives, terrible. Uh, they would make my heart race, my blood pressure drop. I had syncopal episodes during all of that. So that was very tough to uh, go through. So I'm glad to be on the other side of that. So
0: So how long did it take between the time that you changed your diet to the point you could get off all your medications
1: it was very quick by a uh, six months um, I had had my last lupus flare at about three months in um, and I was out in the sun and I normally wore a lot of hats and um, I re- even wore like a face shield uh, I would have long gloves on and usually it was all covered up in the summer i had my last lupus flare three months in and i just had gotten a little tired um and i think it was just lupus leaving my body uh for good um but i came off all of the cholesterol meds all of the allergy meds within six months time completely Um, And so now I only take four medications which are the thyroid replacement medications Um, I have to take a beta blocker uh, just to keep my heart under control A very microscopic dose And Once in a while I take an allergy med here or there The only allergies that I have left are cigarette smoke and artificial perfumes like crazy uh so my patients usually very really good about not wearing perfumes once in a while they will and I have a hard time but um I've learned to live with it so I'm good so that is
0: an incredible story I mean you talk so calmly about it and yeah this was me and now I'm 20 you know all these medications yeah. are gone and I'm sure you've shared your stories multiple times but So you had colleagues that saw you here, but when you were sick and all this going on, and then you have colleagues that have seen you on the well side. What are they saying and thinking during this whole time?
1: Well, I have uh, actually a couple of people on Facebook, because I've worked for the system for so long, now have um, seen me, and they knew when I was off of work. And a couple of them tell you, we're shocked you're alive. Uh, and then so they've actually followed me into PBNSG Because um, so many pictures I've been posting now Because I was fairly reclusive for a while And then as I got more involved with PBNSG um, They're all just so thankful that I'm alive um, My current coworkers will tell you that I got off my broom And I became this funny, happy, energetic person Uh, which is so funny because I was, like, kind of very type A uh, and had a lot of rules. And now I'm just like, all right, you know, let's try it. So, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. And so how about doctors? Have you had any doctors follow you over to a plant-based diet?
1: Yes. Actually, uh, I was in my cardiac rehab unit this morning with the cardiologist that runs the program, and she's like, I'm doing it a whirl, Shannon. I'm going for it. she she, yeah yeah she uh, has really gotten to know me really well and has seen my transformation Um, and she had a brief illness herself um, and she's like I just see how vibrant you are and I just have to do it Um, so she's jumped uh, my dermatologist is plant-based now Uh, he's doing really well and he's come to a couple of P V N S G events Um, and yeah, I actually uh, do take care of doctors in cardiac rehab, so trying to convince them to change, uh, is tougher, uh, but as I, you know, I'm one of those people just quietly motivates people, and so they're catching on, so, um, yeah, my boss is experimenting with it now, uh, so yeah, it's been really cool.
0: I mean, for me, that is honestly one of the joys I've discovered with a plant-based diet as a physician is the healing is so yes. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's highly addictive. It's a bit of a dopamine hit every time someone tells you I'm feeling better. Yeah. But feel free to tell you know share my information with your docs if they want to reach out to me. If they have any questions just yeah. to doc and how I've dealt with patients, I would love to help them as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. So now you have made this great transition and you are part of the um, PBNSG, the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group. And so tell me yeah. tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more about that. What is, what is that organization, who started it, and all that kind of thing?
1: So, yes, our organization was founded by Paul Chatlin, and he is a heart patient himself. And he uh, decided to forego having heart bypass surgery um, and uh, one of the doctors that was taking care of him said my mentor is dr. Esselstyn and you need to talk to him so Paul uh, is an amazing person he's one of my very close friends now and uh, he has paved the way for a lot of us uh, so PBNSG has we have I think close to 3,000 members um, and we host monthly meetings in uh, this past year we've had a lot of the big speakers so Juliana Haver Dr. Gregor, Colin Campbell Nelson Campbell Dr. Esselstyn um, we're Chef AJ's upcoming we just had Garth Davis we've had Rich Roll uh so it's amazing. So every month we get together and we have the large meetings. Well, um we also have uh so I'm the director of the small groups division. So we have twelve pocket groups uh around the city of Detroit and a couple uh in northern Michigan that meet once a month also. So in a small group there's ten to twelve members uh in the group and it's mostly a social um Social is for socialization. So a lot of people that are plant-based want to know that there's other people that are plant-based And they just want a friend because a lot of them are widowed divorced uh, Or they're the only one in their household that are doing it. So we get together and um so I'm the mentor for that. We have 12. We have 16 planned expansions for next year. Uh, so I actually am like a creative genius for a lot of them. So we're going to do running groups. We're going to do a, a group for moms, busy moms. We try to teach them how to batch hook. And so I've created all these little uh, suggestions. But it's awesome. I've been to over 95 small group meetings and just seeing people transform. Uh, we have one lady, she had come uh, to the cardiac rehab unit uh, and was just desperate for help. And she heard about me uh, through somebody that was coming to PBNSJ. And she ended up living uh, about two blocks from my cardiac rehab unit. So I had her come in one day and we sat out on a picnic table and she had just had. Um, part of her breast removed, and they wanted to do all this aggressive chemo on her and radiation. And she says, "I think little plant based." What do you think? And I'm like, "Great!" And I gave her all the information. She just glows with beauty now. It's just outstanding to see her. She just looks healthy and young and vital. And she has right now no tumors. It's just amazing though to see her become healthy and vital. Uh, so I get so much out of it more than what i put into it i have to say that to sure change me but to see so many people with life back in them and hope and dreams and goals is just to me is so so worth it so i'm just so glad to be a part of so many people's journeys um and you know i will coach people one on one uh and mentor people and i just love it so
0: yeah. I, th- I think you certainly found your calling. That's for sure. It's, it's fun to hear people also enjoying that, that healing aspect of it. I, you know, what we all innately, I think, want to help people and this is even a better way to help people because you're literally could save their lives. It, it, yes, It's incredible. Mm. Yeah. So now you have, um, you have kiddos. Tell me about your kiddos. Have they, uh, changed to their diet?
1: Yeah so I have two children I have a son that's 16 and a daughter that's 18 and my daughter uh, when she saw that I was getting so much healthier and better she jumped with me she's like that's my mom I'm going with it and uh, we're very very close and so she uh, took it on completely and she's now a freshman at Michigan State. Uh, so she looks amazing, she's so healthy, she graduated magna cum laude from high school Uh So it's been a bit of a challenge for her transitioning up at Michigan State um, But she's navigating it well And so we just actually did a conference call with the dietary instructors Because they have lots of vegan options it's just She's not used to eating any oil at all uh, so she struggled with that a little bit And so I just asked Could you make like some of this But not put oil in it And so they actually are Um They're jumping to the challenge Which is amazing And uh, I think it's amazing that she's You know picking that out You know to say hey I don't like oil in my body um, And so she's like It's just too oily ma'am." And so she's doing very well so, And then my son Actually she did not uh i call him the reluctant vegan uh because he does have to eat vegan food when he's with me because uh, i do not cook meat uh, and so he chooses to eat uh meat with his dad so that's okay
0: yeah you know and and sometimes that's what you got to do for sure mm-hmm. so how would you how do you approach patients so they come into cardiac rehab and you want to share this message what is your approach to them what is the first some of the first things that you say
1: well one of the first things i say is we do do diet screenings um with patients so standard diet screenings. so i get to learn them I don't think they tell the full story, so I always open the door um, with patients in a couple of ways. One thing I find is, is I'll back it up a little bit: is patients now see me, and I weigh about 103, 104 pounds, so they always just assume that I've always looked like this and I've always been that small. So one thing as I do is I tell them my journey, um, and there is a picture hanging up in the unit of me before and after because I saw a need for that. So I'd like to tell them my journey and how. I, I was so anxious and depressed, and how it felt like to be stereotyped for being so overweight, uh, and the stigmas that go with that, and um, you know, and all of that too. A lot of ladies don't like to talk about bladder dysfunction issues, so I developed that, and so I tell, talk to them a lot about that. I teach them a lot about their heart anatomy because a lot of times things are so rushed in the hospital they don't learn. Then I start to open up the door about diet, and I start to tell them about how I approached it. And it's funny, once they really believe that I have been transformed and all the meds I've lost, that they finally are like, okay, they're going to listen. So they, uh, I'll start to say to them, let's make a couple of choices, and then the next time I'll meet with them, and I'm like, Let's just go for it. And so with a lot of the patients, I have to figure out what their barriers to nutrition are. So I ask a lot of thought-provoking questions like, what's something that your mom made that was amazing? Or "What's, what do you like to eat most on Thanksgiving? And so I share with them a lot of my own food. Uh, you know, I take them to the grocery store. I'll meet members from PBSG at the grocery store. So just trying to give them hope uh, that there could be so much better of a life. And a lot of people don't realize they feel so bad. So I'll say, come on. So I think with a kind heart, and when they know that I can believe in them, that they'll start to say, hey, I think I can do this. And, um,
0: yeah. Wow. So what is the percentage of patients that actually convert to the diet? Is it Are you fairly high, or what, what is your success rate?
1: Well, I have initially some patients will hire that are receptive to change. Um, I think it's pretty low that are 100%. Uh, uh, I have had a lot of successes. Um, I always tell my patients that if you fall off, come back no matter how long. And I actually had a patient today step in and say, I need help. I fell off. Uh, he'd just been in the hospital again I'm like alright that's alright Let's get back on um, So I'd say Right now it's 50-50 If I can get patients to reduce Some animal products uh, I think I'm winning um, Or being more mindful um, I have had Some patients that were adamant About not switching that came back At the year mark or the two year mark And say I need help And um, I'm like okay. Come on, let's go. Uh, So, yeah. I know I have a very high percentage of people that really think about it. And to me, that's winning. Um, And so, yeah. Okay.
0: What about your – so you're in a hospital setting right now?
1: I'm in an outpatient um, clinic, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So you're affiliated with the hospital. How about the hospital food? Has anything happened there as far as when you – you know, you are mentioning to people they're using cardiac rehab, but also the food, like, while they're in the hospital, or is it still the same type of hospital food that's
1: literally- Yeah, I'm... Yeah, so I know... So, yeah, I just had... I spoke with a patient today about what she was given in the hospital. So it's pretty... Depressing because my own um, soon-to-be former mother-in-law had open heart two years ago And she woke up and was instantly fed a cheeseburger and they say we want them to have calories Just calories we want them to eat. And I'm like, that's what got her there. Don't put that in her mouth and they just all thought I was crazy and um, so it's bums me out the one cool thing though is that with my hospital I've really gotten involved with the community side so community promotions and so on the employee side and then on the community side they're really starting to listen about plant-based nutrition so we just did our overview of our community health needs assessment and part of the initiative is launching a plant-based teaching um, initiative in 2017. So it changes happening. So it just take some of us being a little quiet a little bit because I've been plugging along and people have been really catching on. So it's just so exciting that they're – because I'd like to not only teach the employees, so the nurses, so they can teach the community, but then launch initiatives to help people get – uh, access to better nutrition or let's teach the moms or let's even teach people at the food pantries um, all those different types so I do a lot in the community So uh,
0: I'll tell you something we did uh, in Rifle, Colorado well actually Newcastle, so I lived on the western side of Colorado until just the month when mm-hmm. I moved down here to Florida and I think this was in 2013, I believe maybe 14. Um, we actually worked with a, it's like a, a community, uh, a Christian organization that helped. They had the, what we call lift and it would actually, it was a food pantry for folks. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the folks there that was one of my patients got better on a plant-based diet. So I was like, well, do you have any extra land? Let's start a garden. And what yeah. was really neat is this little town we had, you know, people help that were, was it were lawyers help write grants? We got a grant to start wow. uh, a new community garden. So that's been going on now for two, three years. And what was awesome is just to see the community come to help. But then now they're actually those who receive food from the food pantry actually help in the garden. They learn about the wow, gardens. I did classes there mm-hmm. for a bit. And um, so that was really fun. So you know, there's some amazing ideas. And this is you yeah, know, it's winter there now, of course, they can't do it around around year round but it's something mm-hmm. that can be done during the growing season so that was a, it was a lot of fun there's just so much that we can all do
1: yeah. Yeah, I actually talked a lot about that cuz so many kids don't have access to nutrition. So, uh I really I talked about let's look for grants. Let's just And then um Tower Garden actually is interested in donating a Tower Garden to try to teach kids. So, um I'm looking. I'm looking for it. So, yeah. and, you know,
0: there's someone I met uh, actually just earlier this week. He's uh, he he actually raises he just gardens for a plant-based organization. And he said on 1 square foot of counter space you can grow 5 pounds of veggies a week.
1: Wow. So yeah. So I'm
0: I told him I said okay, now I've got to pick your brain because I'm I'm working. I'm doing videos right now on how to eat $50 a week a plant-based diet. Yeah. And um the feedback's been really really good, so I want to make that part of it, but you're exactly right. We have to get kids involved from the beginning of growing. Yes.
1: They become Mm -hmm. interested
0: because like, oh, I took that seed and now it's this. I really want to try it. And, uh, that is something I feel like we have to start. It's these kiddos because they're the ones that are going to grow and hopefully reverse what we're doing. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And speaking to that, have you had any parents or, you know, what is your advice to parents who are considering trying to get their kids and other family members on board?
1: Well, I actually, um, I do talk a lot to parents about getting the kids on board. And kids are very receptive, like my daughter was very receptive to trying new foods. And um, so just by generally teaching them, um, you know, it's just, Tough because a lot of parents are go 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 to soccer practice I actually was adamant of not doing that so my kids I had a cooler that could either heat up or cool down and so we never stopped at McDonald's because I was very opposed to those types of foods anyways Um, but trying to like educate the parents to this is what we're doing and I'm not a shorter to cook and I'm not gonna cook 10 meals um you know and getting kids interested more in foods and exploring their foods um yeah
0: very good do you have any favorite recipes that you like to share with us
1: i actually am a very simplistic cook uh which is nice i teach a lot of times when i go to the small groups i'll teach them uh the refrigerated oatmeals uh so i will have everybody buy a system of ball jars Uh, So I make the stacked uh, Refrigerated oatmeal so there you could make them all on Sunday and load them up Um, I do teach a lot of soups and stews and I will teach everybody how to do those in the ball jars um, And salads in the ball jars so I can totally prep all my food and cook it on Sunday and just Set them out because a lot of times I transition to small groups at night um, but I like to take a lot of um things and just uh, like potatoes and boil them, thin them out into soups with a little bit of almond milk. You can take that so many different directions that you wanna go. Uh, I did that a lot with squash. I think I've eaten my body weight over in squash this whole fall, like buttercup and delicados and and then uh Penzi's has a spice called the Now Curry and so even with thinning it down a little bit with some no sodium vegetable broth and adding that now curry oh it's amazing (laughs) uh what was the brand name again uh it's called penzi's which is a spice company and it's called the now curry okay
0: penzi's
1: the now curry okay yeah it's delicious and uh i make a lot of simple foods i uh you know always try to pack my lunch um i eat a lot of fruit so at least five fruits a day uh so my patients get to see me eating fruit my co-worker thinks i'm an orange uh which is pretty fine. and they had one of these on snapchat that was an orange head she's like look i became you this morning so I was like <laughs> so yeah just always having fruit on hand because that is nature's fast food um But yeah, I'm a very simple. I do a lot of McDougall Start Solution um, items. Uh, They're really great, and so I try to teach patients you can have carbs. You just have to have the healthy carbs, and that actually really opens up a lot of people's minds too. That oh my god, you can eat carbs, and like you need carbs. So yeah, so I eat a lot of simple things. So
0: right, and honestly, probably keeping it simple makes it easier and not so
1: complicated yeah. and
0: not so scary for folks.
1: Right, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I thank you again. I, I know I've taken up quite a bit of your time. Do you have any last yeah. bits of advice for anyone or anything else you'd like us to know about?
1: Yeah, so I always tell people that when they come um, to peeping be this year, the, the hospital, a lot of people try to overcomplicate recipes. So start off simple, like I'm doing... And find a support group. So find somebody out there. There's a lot of great groups on Meetup or there's PBNSG. Uh, They can always, you know, contact me on Facebook. But try to find other like-minded people. That really, really helps. And then I always tell people, if you have a mess-up, don't see it as a backstop. Because so many people, when they're following different diet plans, um, see a back step is uh, it's just over. It's just got to be over. I tell people, just see that as a side step and see how you felt and then just keep going, you know, move it along. We all have good days. We all have bad days. Um, it's just forward progress. And I always tell people, you know, a lot of people, so social acceptance is a big barrier. Um, so just know why you're doing it and stick to it. I mean, I've gone into... You know, because I coach a little bit with girls on the run, and they'll have their meetings at HopCat and that kind of stuff. And so I always call ahead and see what they have, you know. And I've had beautiful meals at places, and people are always like, oh, there's the vegans in the room or the plant-based person. And I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, And then they all end up wanting to taste it. So... I always tell people this is the path that I'm on. This is right for me. And this is what's working. And, you know, so, you know, when people see that you're confident about it, it really is helpful to other people. So, um, and yeah,
0: I agree 100% because the one thing that I always hear from people, because I tend to be, I'm not quiet at all. I'm actually very vocal about this because Mm -hmm. the way I'm going to save lives. But the key for me is the one they always say is like, Dr. Marvis, you're just so passionate about it. And that really yes. just draws them in. They said, today I did a lunch meeting with 30 people and their therapist. And they were all just like, really? Can I come see you? And you know, afterwards I'm like lining up. They're like, I need you to talk to you about this because you're just so passionate. It's so different from the doctor who writes the prescription or the nurse yes. who takes your, mm-hmm. your vitals and sits you back in your room. When they see someone who's had a transformation and helped others, it 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 really resonates with them. And so, with that note, I just want to say thank you because with every podcast that I interview someone, I interview people who are going to be inspirational and people who are really have some information that can be life-saving and changing for someone else and so with that i want to say thank you and thank you everything that you're doing and i'm so excited thank to you. see everything else that you got going on and yes, it. You. and um you. again i and i'm sure there's patients there that you've saved their lives and they are also thankful so i appreciate yeah. all that you've done so
1: yes thank you you're
0: welcome and again thank you for your time and uh we'll talk to you next time okay thank you